a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday, it's four o'clock, and thank God I'm back. Hope you are well, hope you are enjoying sunshine. It is sunny once more. Uh, We've had a really, really busy week, haven't we, guys? Oh, yes. yes. So I would like to say, first of all, we had Energy Live Future. We'll talk about that in a moment. What a good effort from the team. This is where I give you a round of applause. Well done, team. Very good. Even Johnny. Even Johnny. Johnny. Especially Johnny. Uh, And then Fredo ran around. He was going to wear his Gestapo suit, but we stopped him. But he did a very good job in organising it. Well done, Freddie. There you go. He only thanks himself. Um, And we had some uh, really interesting speakers. We had lots and lots of great kit. And we had, of course, you, the energy end users. Thank you so much for coming. 200 of you turned up, which was great. Made a brilliant event. And it was sunny. Now, one of the things that came up during uh, our day, and plenty of content you'll see on the uh, website over the next few days, but one of them was obviously the opening session where we had the managing director of British Gas, Gab Barbaro. And we were talking about something we followed up from the first Energy of the Future last year, which is the attitudes and the issues facing large energy firms. And once more, we found that there was a big problem in the fact that, you know, energy reduction is a major issue and they're trying to push it. But for businesses, when it comes to listening to the energy managers, that may not be happening as well because they're thinking about sales. They're thinking about what the business needs to do. And what the conversation was yesterday was that actually you can do the two. You don't have to put energy reduction as something that's a separate issue to growing the business. You could see that investing in energy reduction is not uh, some sort of cost to the business, but actually a revenue generator. And afterwards, after Gab's uh, speech, I caught up with him and we had a chat about the findings. Have a listen. Gab, thanks again for uh, coming along and supporting us. Now, what was interesting in the chat this morning was similar themes to last year, figures change a little bit, but the still principle one is kind of energy saving and the blocking. Did you find that interesting? Yeah, so things haven't changed um, in terms of what uh, end users are saying, in terms of what uh, what is a barrier to making investments. I think a year later, it's clear that a lot more technologies are available. Uh, they're being commercialised. We're working with some of our biggest customers to bring those technologies to bear. But the feedback from the room, um, large percentage, is that leadership is still a blocker. Yeah. And that is, I think, still something... You can't really do something about the driver of energy prices or saving. But the leadership thing is a very interesting one. And there was a question about behaviours. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think we can do about addressing that? Well, look, the the feedback from the room was that even though the technology might be available and we can get a great business case, sometimes uh, the leadership of large organisations is looking to spend any incremental investment money that they have on things that will help grow the business, Uh, augmenting a factory or anything that creates more sales, more revenue, rather than focusing on cost reduction, even though the business case 
and the technologies are now available. But one guy in there said, actually, don't think of it as a cost, think of it as a way of earning money for the business. Yeah. That was an interesting point. Yeah, well, um, what we're finding is that there are a lot more incentives available in the market, whether through distribution uh, network operators or national grid, the transmission and system operator, that are available that if businesses can have great flexibility, they can export back into the market and that demand side response or that export of energy can actually create revenue for them, make the business resilient and create revenue. The other thing that um, look, seriously looking at your energy infrastructure does is that making the right choices means that businesses may improve their production. So we worked with a large building material cement business yeah. putting in sensors to understand what they're doing yeah, yeah. and they found that the way they're operating their conveyance uh, meant that they were using energy when they didn't need to or, or that the equipment wasn't working as it should and by doing a quick bit of analysis found that they could save £200,000 just off the back of two or three data points and sensors. So you look at that an example that he gave there but also other things that came up in the day. I think there's a real issue here which is as we enter a period where I think we've had, and we did a quick uh, sort of show of hands on the day yesterday, um, there's been a period of energy stability, a period of price stability, but volatility is increasing. We've seen it with the price rises from all the big six suppliers. We've seen it about the way we're looking at the issues around energy security. We've seen it in the price of oil and gas. Uh, so if you look at where we are now, the role of the energy manager, which may for so, some people have become less important over the last sort of three, four years, will increase, will become more important, particularly as we enter the Brexit phase. And so I think some of the things that were said about do not see energy reduction as a cost to the business. Don't see, oh, I've got to invest in this for cutting down energy. And actually, that's not really where we want to spend our money. We should be going to get sales and growing the business. Everyone wants to grow their business. But what was coming out of that yesterday was that maybe the people who run businesses who are maybe a level above on the board or whatever than the energy managers, the FDEs and the CEOs, need to see that actually in this changing market, energy saving is actually money coming into the business. And with the idea of putting in electric vehicles and storage and being able to sell back to the net, actually becomes a revenue stream, same as any other. So that is something we will explore over the next few months, particularly as we lead up to Expo. So that's that. The second part uh, that I want to talk about yesterday was actually fantastic. It was our out-of-this-world experience. We had an incredibly fun session, really thought-provoking with Bas Lansdorp uh, from Mars One, the CEO of Mars One, and we're really grateful he came along. Thank you very much, Bas. Your uh, presentation went down an absolute storm. He was looking at where we would be if you know Mars becomes the place to go, not in an altruistic way, but in a way that actually makes business sense. So you say, actually, we go to Mars. Yes, we have a reason that may be altruistic, but we do it as a commercial mission. We try and flog the rights to the filming or this, uh, the energy supplier on, the, on Mars or the water supply, all of these things. So he had a, a really good narrative about actually to do this, it makes sense. It makes sense for uh, us on the planet and it could lead to new technologies. And again, once uh, his chat had finished, I caught up with him to talk about what he thought 
would be the energy technologies that we could use to live on Mars. Not pie in the sky stuff, but the stuff that's happening right now here on Earth that we could take to Mars. Here's what he had to say. In terms of the energy we will need in Mars, what do you think will be the overriding technology and do we have it already today? So we have assumed a mission built on solar power uh, because it is the, 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 the least complex technology that you can use. Nuclear is, is, is the best solution for Mars uh, because you have it day and night, uh, you, don't need, you don't need storage. Uh, so it, it is the best technology, but for a private company like ourselves, it's extremely difficult to implement it. So to get uh, the license to use it, uh, to get the license to launch it, all these things would be extremely difficult. And of course, there's the, the, the public perception about nuclear, which is growing more and more negative. Mm. Uh, so I think that the support for our mission is more easily drummed up, up if, we, uh, if we use uh, solar for our mission. There's other possibilities like geothermal, but they require more infrastructure. You'd have to dig into the surface of Mars. Exactly, so it's, it requires much more investment, much more time to develop, and solar is very predictable. So we know exactly the day and night cycle at the location where we're going to be. We know what the likelihood of a, of a dust storm is. We know the conditions during a dust storm. So you can design for all those conditions with solar, and it's, and it's feasible. If I told you today, right, here's the money, go to Mars, could we do it with the technology we have? Would we have the energy to survive? Would we be able to purify water? Would we have air to breathe? Yeah, those are actually the, the bits that I would consider the easy, the easy ones. The easiest part. So, uh, really interesting, renewable power. I mean, he talked about nuclear there, but I think that whole point about solar technology and uh, what wasn't covered in that was uh, his ideas that actually, if you look at what uh, going to Mars means, uh, if you're old enough to remember any of the stuff from the space uh, race in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, a lot of things that we take uh, for granted now. Uh, Post-it notes, they came out of the space uh, race. So, you know, everyone knows about Teflon, but Post-it notes were something that they invented. They could stick up messages when they were inside the Apollo capsule. So interesting stuff there. And I think this, um, whether Mars 1 happens, and I hope it does, I think it's a great idea. And he's definitely got some uh, funding and he's got interest. He's got, uh, you know, 100 people who've already uh, said they want to go. So he's should whittle down uh, thousands to 100 and then that 100 becomes 24. But one thing, all of this with... Uh, the stuff that Bus is doing with Mars One, the stuff that's going on with um, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, and obviously the Tesla stuff uh, with Elon Musk about going into space with uh, his sort of rockets. <clears throat> I think it's going to lead to a lot of innovation in the energy technology field. It will lead to innovation in things like solar films, batteries, you know, the way that we can try and process things quicker and lighter, new materials, graphene is coming onto the scene. So all of that, I think, is going to be triggered by this interest in Mars. Whether this Mars mission happens uh, by 2032, we don't know, but I definitely think within the next 10, 15 years, some of those technologies will come into play. And that wasn't it. We just had lots and lots going on in the day. We had great sessions that took place looking at the energy needs of people today. We looked at technology. We had a lab area. We had a, a fun version of sort of 
top gear where we looked at electric vehicles, but not the normal sort of standard cars and things like the Teslas, but commercial vehicles and how they can be integrated into an energy system. And we also had uh, the finalists for the Wright Commission uh, announced. So a very, very packed day, lots of things going on. And this was the reaction to uh, our second elf. What have you made of the event so far today? It's pretty good, like any energy live news event. It's, it's fun, it's innovative, there's, there's lots of different content and thought-provoking. It's been a really enjoyable morning so far. What I found really interesting is how people are actually looking forward. Often energy, we've just looked at where we are now, but there's been a big change which I've really enjoyed, understanding people's views of what's coming in the future and how we're working on making it happen now. That was interesting so far. Um, a lot of looking into the future, um, inspirational talks and some good suppliers to talk to. Very interesting, a bit uh, thought-provoking, keep, uh, keeping up with developments and other, other, uh, other thought leaders in the industry to make sure uh, that you're reflecting best practice into your company strategy. Uh, great to see all the different ideas on the table. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to how it all progresses because clearly we've got a massive challenge ahead of us as an industry. I've quite enjoyed talking to the various different um, presenters and um, sponsors around in the area around there. Yeah. There's some interesting technologies and I think there's some opportunities for um, us as an authority to achieve energy savings. So really good reactions there and please keep them coming in. If you enjoyed the day, and we really hope you did, then use uh, the Twitter hashtag ELF E L F 2018. Go and have a look at that stream. We've got the photos. I think we've got the most of them up on uh, Flickr now, Rob. Uh, well, we're, we're getting them up in the next day or so, anyway. So check out our Flickr feed. Lots of content coming out over the next week. We'll have a film of the day. Uh, so do get involved. And remember, you know, Energy Life Future is not just a kind of one-off thing about looking at it. We're going to be doing much more on technology. And the reporters, aren't you both very keen on these sort of stories? Is that right? Johnny? Still yes. Yes. There we go. You're very keen on technology stories, aren't you? Oh, I'm incredible. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so if you're doing things, if you're working on stuff, we saw some great, great ideas. Uh, we'd like to come and film them. Get in touch with the reporters. Pri will be talking about it in a moment. But first, it is the banter box. Did you enjoy yesterday? Hello. It was fun. It was a long day. Long day for us. Um, they don't want to know that. But it was amazing. That's more yes. like it. And I think a lot of people, a majority of the, I, I think almost all the people I spoke to said uh, they had a really good time. And it was, uh, the, the content was really good. And the only people who didn't enjoy themselves were the ELN staff, because they were moaning, weren't they? Well, we were running. We weren't moaning. We were, just yeah. had to work. Yeah. No, Rob, Rob moaned. He moaned about the sandwiches, didn't he? Yes, yes, it was the, is it the egg? egg oh, I don't sandwich? know. He was, he was having a go. Oh, cheese, cheese sandwich, yeah. He Just because he's was from Portstewart, he thinks he's got better cheese there. <laughs> anyway. And afterwards, I think we celebrated quite well. Well, most of us. Yes, we had a Most of drinks. us behaved very well, didn't we? Chaya. 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 I, I keep my mouth sealed. Yeah, Chaya. We know that Chaya likes a little sherbet. And we uh, don't mean a sherbet dib dab. We mean 
<laughs> uh, it was interesting. She um, she showed yes. a new song. I think it was her first like night out, right? First oh. ever. First, First ELN, ELN night out. ELN night and it wasn't out. even a night out, but anyway. Yeah. But, okay, so good stuff. And also, on a serious point, uh, you two met some really good people there. Yes. And we'd like to and come yeah, up. Yeah, I'd just like to also thank everyone who were willing to speak to us, um, just to let us know what you thought of the day and what was interesting throughout the day. So hopefully uh, we can keep that on board for other events in the future as well. Excellent. All right. Now, let's do our banter point, which is, which is this story right. here. It's nuclear. Nuclear. We're going nuclear. So, uh, do you want to tell the viewers what this is all about then? Uh, yes. So, basically, the UK government uh, recently said that it would, it is considering uh, investing in uh, the Wilfer nuclear project in Wales, uh, and it's um, proposed by Horizon Nuclear Power, which is um, owned by the Japanese firm Hitachi. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, they've started formal negotiations with the company. Um, basically, yeah. So if, to see if this is going to go ahead. The government hasn't made a final decision yet, uh, but this it's just considering it, and hopefully we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. And what's your view on this? I mean, my personal view, I mean, just... Just talking about the nuclear, about the government investing in nuclear policy uh, initially, I think it's a major uh, policy step because it follows on from decades of government policy uh, where it said uh, that it won't be investing directly in nuclear power and now it's considering buying a public stake. So that's a major policy, policy shift for nuclear projects. Um, I think it would mean... Um, it would mean it would be a little bit more risky for the government because uh, in terms of the cost if there were any cost overruns it's going to if the government is investing and buying a stake uh, the public is going to be investing it's the public's money that's going to go into these projects so uh, if there were any cost overruns the public would have to put the bill and that would mean increased costs uh, for consumers over the long run so it would be probably the next generation and generations to come rather than the current one because it's going to be a while so until as they say Getting to the point, is it a good idea or a bad idea? Um, I am not. I'm. I don't have a def definite answer. Oh, no, I, no, good no, or bad? No, no, you no. tell. What it's, do you think? Would you say it's a total crap I mean, idea? It's rubbish. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be. Reason be being, very simply, you've just nailed it on that. If yeah, this government and we've had the whole point is that it said it doesn't favour one technology over another. Mm. Okay, it said yeah, for yeah. years, and it was a Tory coalition. Remember, so mm -hmm. you could say, oh, the coalition was different, but. It was always, you know, previous ministers, Chris Hoon, yeah. uh, even Ed Davey, all of them were saying, no, we will never invest. You know, there is no such thing as, you know, subsidy, state, state subsidy mm. for nuclear. And the reason yeah, they're doing suddenly, this, they're panicking because of what suddenly, happened with Hinkley. Yeah. So I think if you're going to do nuclear and you've decided to do it, you either from the beginning should have said it's completely uh, state-funded, yeah. but not oh. this mess. Yes. Also, I think one of the things the government has stressed is that it will it. it will uh, generate it will uh, generate electricity at a lower cost than Hinkley. I mean, which is yet to be seen. We don't know about that. Um, but I guess that's a positive in a way. But obviously, the cost overruns yeah. is a major issue because yeah. with Hinkley Point, but also we've it's, a, it's seen... a commercial company. Hitachi aren't short of a few, Bob, are they? <laughs> are they? True. Eh? True. True. Right. It's the Japanese economy, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you look at it, Brexit means Brexit. Uh, if you look at it, you've got the British taxpayer, you and me, mm. all of us, paying, paying the bill for a commercial company mm -hmm. to guarantee their risks. Now, I suppose the argument would be, well, they had to prop up the banks. Yeah. 
But the banks are very different. It's fundamental to the economy. Mm. This is a commercial venture. And if Hitachi don't like it yeah. and they pull out of it, well, that's, that's their, their issue. Why should we be doing it? Also, I think one of the issues is the government is saying it is considering funding in this project, yeah. whereas it's um, not backing, in a way, not backing renewables like solar and wind because yeah, they can't the compete, yeah, said, they yeah, can't compete in auctions. Yeah. But, but these developers are saying, actually, if you give us the chance, we can deliver electricity at a lower cost than nuclear power. Um, so this is for onshore wind and solar farms. But no decision has been made. No decision has been made. So this is just a it's debate. It's just a chance for me yeah. to rant. <laughs> anyway. And Suma loves that. No, I don't. Yes. I don't. I don't. Every day. Johnny's the one that likes to rant. I only like to rant about holiday rotors, <laughs> don't I? Yeah, because of Alex. Because of Alex, mainly. He's mainly behind the Johnny. camera. And, and, yeah. Anyway, right. Other stories this week. Yes, so SSC, uh, I think this was from yesterday. We only run it today because obviously we were, were busy yesterday. <laughs> um, so SSC has been uh, ordered to pay a million pounds uh, for providing some of its prepayment meter customers with inaccurate and misleading information right. uh, on the annual statements. So, uh, so this is an issue that SSC itself reported to Ofgem when it realized okay. it made an error. So you've got to commend them for that, at least. Uh, yes. So this was between June 2014 and September 2015 that Ofgem yeah. found, uh, following an investigation, uh, that the information on alternative cheaper tariffs for prepayment customers uh, were incorrect. Yeah. Um, but Ofgem, Ofgem said that, although SSC was the one who notified Ofgem of this, um, they said that they could have acted sooner, um, but said that it wouldn't... Uh, this it, this didn't really affect a lot of people because they didn't use that particular information yeah. to switch suppliers. Well, so. I have to say this one, <coughs> excuse me, when we've done many stories about <coughs> suppliers, mm. because we're being fine. Yeah. This one I thought was interesting because, uh, you know, the people on prepayment meters are generally the poorest people in society. The vulnerable, yes. Exactly. So, you know, all of this lecturing about we want to make sure that these people are looked after with things like eco and we, we're trying to do it. And then there you go. Yeah. So... Uh, but SEC said that it deeply regrets this problem and the £1 million is being paid to Ofgem's redress fund which is basically administered by the Energy Saving Trust yeah. uh, and it funds, it looks after vulnerable people okay. and for new oh, well, At least that's a good thing for yeah. that. Next one. Next one, uh, again fine, again a trend. you got something going um, on <laughs> So uh, the government has said that car makers yeah. who use defeat devices to cheat emissions tests uh, could be fined up to £50,000 per vehicle. Oh, that's quite good. £50,000 per vehicle? Per vehicle. Wow. So, okay. if, so, so if this is regardless of whether it's a British manufacturer or not. Yeah. So this is even if it's someone, a German company, yeah. who rolls out cars in the UK I wonder why you say German and cheats, company. cheats emissions tests. Yes. Okay. Um, and this follows on from a consultation that the government yes. did. Um, and apparently they said that there was overwhelming support for this yeah, um, new regulation. Would, uh, agree. Um, and it follows on from obviously the Volkswagen been going on forever yeah. uh, since 2015 where um, it was found to be cheating these tests. And I think it paid around 1.1 million pounds to customers in the UK. 1.1 million? Yeah, to the UK, sure? yes. Oh, billion. No, no, a billion. Uh, there's more in the US. Uh, with the global, okay. Well, so far, oh, anyway, right, okay, I don't know fact, if, this yeah. is if it's going to increase. She's always good with the facts and figures. Yeah. And right, right, next one. I thought it was really interesting, just on a lighter note. Um, well, Microsoft, after about there should be a video coming up, I think. Is there a video? 
Is there a nod from a video? There yes. is. Look, so, there's a video. from Microsoft. So what he's go. doing is... I do like the way we've now been made small. This is a new thing. It's about underwater data centre. I want to talk over that? Sumit because Little. there's a video no. playing now. Okay, yes, yes, go on. <laughs> um, so basically, they've, they've sunk a data centre in yes. the Sea of Orkney, off Orkney, uh, to investigate if it can boost energy efficiency. Oh. To investigate if you can boost energy yeah. efficiency. So the cylinders that you saw is powered entirely by renewable energy. Uh, so basically the essence of this is data centers use a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently a majority of the energy, uh, the, the bigger ones, so say a big data center uses 100 yeah. megawatts of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, most of that energy is used obviously for the computer, but a portion of it is used to cool the data centers. Of course, yes. So they, what they hope is... You, Putting it underwater is going to basically cool um, and help save energy. And, and then you can swim with it. And swim if you'd like, yes. Excellent AI. If you know how to swim. What happened? Hang on, how would you stick in a USB down underwater and all that stuff? Oh, that, I have no idea. You should have researched I'm this. not that technical. I do, I do like this I thing. I like my Hang facts. On. Can you just do the little wee mini thing? That's very good. Where did you, where did you learn this? Oh, look at that. Oh, look. It's like little, little people. Mini ass. This started last week, didn't it? Is it your idea? Was wasn't it? Yeah. I knew it. He's always Rob fiddling. Robert's fiddling. Um, anyway, that's all good. And stories. And stories. Obviously, someone mentioned earlier as well. If you've yes. got any stories or would, you'd like us to come and film, uh, do send it over to stories at energylivenews.com. All the best stories you'll cover. I'll cover, and uh, all the rubbish ones. I'll John, hand it over to Johnny. Hand it over to Johnny. He'll be happy to just He'll pick up whatever he can. Won't yeah. you, Jonas? Yes. Although Johnny has been injured this week, poor love. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure yeah, how you he managed to do that. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's been X-rated so. what's happened to him. It's one of his, it's one of his appendages. It's a lower appendage. It's the wrong colour, isn't it, now? I'm not purple saying anything. It's gone purple and swollen. Yes. Exactly. It's disgusting, really. Anyway, thank you, Pri. But thank you, and hope you have a good weekend. Oh, she's so polite. Always, always. Uh, right, OK. So, in all seriousness, um, really do hope you enjoyed uh, Energy Life Future. Do uh, let us know about things that you may have that the reporters can cover. Let's talk about the other events coming up this year. And uh, you can make me small or make me big. I don't mind. Go on, do something funny. I'd like it. Oh. Okay, so obviously we have had a July future. We have got next Telka coming up on the 28th of June. On the 31st of October, we have Energy Live Expo. And if you came to uh, Energy Live Future, you've been automatically registered for Expo. We'd love to see many more of you there. We have a good day planned for you there, particularly looking at policy in relation to how we will cope with energy independence in the way British energy independence post-Brexit. So do not miss that. And then at the end of the year, we have Elpa. So Elpa came out last year, Energy Live Personality Awards. Uh, you can get your tickets right now to be there on the lovely Silver Sturgeon. We'll have a cracking night to end the year. Best party going along. So lots more going on. Right, that is about it. Do we have any shout outs, Fredo? Kevin Corcoran. Bit light on the vegan options. One thing we weren't light on, Kev, was uh, razors and, you know, beard trimming. Though there is a lot of beard action going on right now in the energy sector. But some thought yours was pretty much the worst, Kev. So I don't know what to say about that. I wouldn't have said that. I thought it was quite nice. I like a little pointy bit at the end. I particularly like the weird different colours you've got. If you're old enough to remember Swap Shop, it reminded me of that. So, 
for that. But no, sorry, didn't have enough vegan. Well, we did have water, Kev. That was quite a good vegan option. Uh, anyone else? No? No one, no one offending us? Unbelievable. That's it. What a shocker. Glad the non-sartorial elegance is now back. Glad the non-sartorial elegance is now back. Is now back. I'll have you know, whoever said that, last, uh, last uh, event, yesterday, I think I was quite tame. Wasn't I? I even got David Porter, lovely man who used to run the uh, Energy UK, or AEP as it was, he sent me a message on LinkedIn and said, I can't believe it, you've gone mainstream. Don't worry, David. Telka, I'll be back. Something more shocking. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we go, this is an and finally, I claim no jurisdiction over this. This is Rob finding it. He said, I found this on a film this morning. So uh, watch this. This is great. So this is Larry Page, who's uh, the co founder of Google. He's invested in this thing called the Kitty Hawk Flyer. And it's not his first flight, but it was one of its uh, major test flights took place uh, this week. And it's a kind of a person transport thingy with like, is it eight propellers? I think it's something like that. It flies around. Rob loves it. I think it looks absolute pants. But anyway, the idea is you fly around for 20 minutes, drop you off, and then you just ponce about and do some stuff. Um, it's named uh, Kitty Hawk because, here's a quick history lesson. We've got Harry has just joined us. Harry should know Kitty Hawk. You should know what Kitty Hawk is. Anyone know there? Wright Brothers? Oh, come on. It was the, uh, the strip that they took off, the first powered flight. So there you go. It all looks great, and I'm sure we'll all be flying around in those in about 2,000 years. Uh, have a fantastic weekend. We all will, because the team deserve a big round of applause for amazing work at Energy Life Future. We shall see you next week. Have a good one.